You were built to count as water is made to run downhill. You are placed in a specific context to count in ways that no one else does. That is your destiny. Now, I have publicly referenced that quote of the late Dallas Willard more times than I can count. I've shared that quote with NFL players, with soccer moms and CEOs and retirees and high schoolers. I've shared it at employee gatherings of big corporations. I've shared it at churches and with hundreds of fraternity guys nationwide. It's the big idea of the current focus of my life. And it began here. That quote is packed with deep truths. So let's look at it a little more closely because it's going to form the idea of this morning. You are built to count as water is made to run downhill. You're placed in a specific context to count in ways that no one else does. That is your destiny. Four deep mystical truths in that quote from Dallas Willard. Mystical deep truth number one, that there is a force outside of ordinary human existence that creates each of us. Now we believe that is God. God created us, designed you as you are. Deep truth number two, God's design of every ordinary human being is to matter, to count We're not just random. We don't just show up and go about our lives. There was something that God had in mind for each of you. Deep truth number three, that uniqueness sets you apart from everyone else. Every human being matters in unique ways that no one else does. And deep truth number four, you pile all these truths up and what it points to is that you have a destiny. And that's a, that's a powerful word. It's a big word that we usually reserve for characters and Marvel heroes. But you have a destiny as well. And that quote is our focal point of today. It's our big idea. As we dive back into our review of biblical characters who are part of our spiritual family tree. And my goal today is not only to show you how those, that truth of that big idea plays out in the life of Joseph, but how it plays out in your life as well. So Joseph's story is long and crazy, and it's more like a movie or a Broadway show, which might explain why it's been turned into a Broadway show uh, and a movie and a novel and a Handel oratorio and, of course, a veggie tale. Joseph's life and adventures take up a gargantuan portion of the book of Genesis, most of the last part of Genesis. And his story serves as the hinge point between the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus and the hinge point in the history of the people of God because when he ended up in Egypt, and we'll talk about that in a minute, when Joseph ended up in Egypt, it was what led Abraham's descendants under the leadership of uh, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and all of his family, and eventually all of the Jews, into Egypt for over 400 years before they were led back to the Promised Land by Moses. So it's a, his story is a crucial story in, in our whole spiritual past. Now, because Joseph's story is so long and so involved and so wild, there are plenty of ideas that we could probe when we look at it, so we could explore, for example, how can we 
learn how to process our pain when we come from a dysfunctional family. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you come from dysfunctional families? Don't raise your hand. We could also learn from Joseph's life what it means to be faithful when life is difficult. We could also learn how to reject temptation. We could also learn how to use our unique gifts for God, and we can, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Or we could learn how to honor your family over the long haul. All of these things, plus more, we could learn from the life of this unique man, Joseph. I believe his story, though, is one of the most uh, captivating and fascinating stories about how a person comes upon their destiny. More than most stories that you'll read, forget the Bible, I mean, beyond the Bible, there are very few stories that are so destiny-focused like Joseph's story. So let me take, put his word, in his name, into the big idea. Joseph was built to count as water is made to run downhill. He was placed in a specific context to count in ways that no one else could. That was his destiny. Now, what I want to show you from a survey of his entire life, that we, at least the story that we have in the Bible, is that there are four factors that play into the formation of a human destiny and in particular his human destiny destiny. Four factors that shape a human destiny, beginning with factor number one, your life story, his life story. I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the wondrous. I'm talking about the people who have influenced us, the good and the bad. I'm talking about the circumstances that have shaped us, the good and the bad. All of these things that influence human beings, this make up the map of your life and I would suggest, as you'll see, that your life story probably is, is the seedbed of most human destinies. But there's also personality. The personality is a combination of characteristics of how you think and feel and behave, and we'll look at that in Joseph's life. Skills and gifts play a huge part in shaping human destiny. You know, those things you're able to do that no one else can do, some of them you've learned, are in, uh, and some of them are innate. And then finally, passions. Those strong feelings and desires that move you or animate you. So, I'm going to look at each one of those factors in Joseph's life. Now, normally here, the preaching team likes to focus on a passage of Scripture and mine from it what we can and walk away with some truths. But this is not one of those sermons. This is literally a survey. We're going to look at many chapters in in many uh, parts of Joseph's life. So unless you have the fastest Bible-turning fingers in America uh, or the world, I would suggest you just look at the screen and I'll show you the, I'll show you that, and you can study these later. You'll you'll see them on the screen. So uh, four factors that shape a destiny. Number one, factor number one, Joseph's life story uh, pointed to his destiny. Uh, This guy had a patchwork of both deep pain and also good fortune. So let's talk about his pain. First of all, he was rejected by his half-brothers. Here's what it says in Genesis 37, 4. His brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And that's just scratching the surface because ultimately they were so furious at him 
for what they perceived to be his condescension of each of them, that they wanted to kill him. Matter of fact, they plotted to kill him and tell, tell his, their, their dad uh, that he had somehow fallen to wild animals. Well, they changed their mind, and instead they sold him to traitors who were headed to Egypt, which leads to the second part of the pain of his life. He lived in slavery for a number of years. Genesis 39.1, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar. So he lived as a slave to this Egyptian soldier, and he lived the rest of his life not just as a slave, but as a refugee away from his homeland. He, as a matter of fact, you get to Genesis chapter 50, and it says he wanted his bones to go back to to the promised land, they didn't, that didn't even happen. The Egyptians embalmed him and he stayed in Egypt. Once he left the promised, left his home, homeland, he never made it back. So he lived uh, in slavery as a refugee, rejected by his family. Now he did have some success, which we'll come back to in a minute, and some, some good fortune. Uh, and his, his life was actually looking up, but in the middle of even when his life started to look up, all of a sudden he was falsely accused of inappropriate behavior with his boss's wife, and he was jailed for it. It says in Genesis 39, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's lie about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So the early part of his life, except for a few, few day, good days, this guy's life was full of pain and slavery and refugee status and struggle and his life was a mess. But then, in the story, it looks like he's in the right place at the right time because his fortune started to turn because while he's in prison, there were two other prisoners there that had dreams. Now, what Joseph's story tells us that this guy had a peculiar gift where he was able to have technicolor dreams he was a, able to see things in a very detailed, we're going to talk about that in a minute, detailed ways, but he was also able to interpret dreams. Very unique set of gifts. So these two other prisoners were in jail with Joseph. Remember, he's there because he's been jailed by Potiphar. And they tell, he says, well, tell me your dream. They tell him in the dream. He gives the interpretation of dreams, which come true. And a number of years later, or months later, whatever it was, the head of the land, Pharaoh, has his own dream. He starts looking around. Somebody got to tell me what this dream. Some of you get my wise guys. Get my tell, give me the people that tell me what this dream. Nobody could tell him his dream. And then the one guy that was in prison with Joseph goes, "Oh, I got a guy. I got a guy who can interpret dreams." They pull Joseph out of prison, and Joseph speaks to Pharaoh. Says, "All right, Joseph, here's my dream." Well, here's what he says in Genesis 41. I had a dream last night. No one here can tell me what it means. This is Pharaoh's words. But I've heard that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph replies, it's beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. Now, the interesting thing is it's not good news. Joseph interprets the dream, which basically is the prediction of a coming famine. But Pharaoh was so blown away by Joseph being able to interpret this dream that he 
impresses Pharaoh so much that it leads to Joseph ascending to the second in command of Egypt. Here's what it says in Genesis 41. Since God has revealed, this is Pharaoh's words, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are, Joseph. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. Uh, maybe one of the more powerful rags to riches stories that you'll find in the scriptures or anywhere. And this is true of life in general. Remember, I suggested that your life is comprised of the good and the bad and the ugly and the wondrous. That's the composite of your life, right? Understand something, that your destiny can emerge from that whole stew. It comes out of that whole stew. That's where you can find your destiny. And in particular, in particular, pay attention to your pain, your struggle, your desolation. I would suggest to you that your pain is often the seedbed from which your destiny can grow. And and, and I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but the reason why I tell you this is because You struggle in your level of misery, whatever your pain is. But I want you to understand something. Your misery makes you, watch this, your misery makes you more sensitive to others who are experiencing it, right? Your pain gives you the ability to to grasp. It gives you a kind of radar for the people around you who may have experienced the same kind of pain. And from that can emerge a destiny where you are able to help others in powerful ways. Again, we'll talk about more of, that, more of that in a minute, but Joseph's life story is where his destiny is, where it emerged. But there was a second factor that shapes the destiny. Factor number one, Joseph's life story pointed to his destiny. Factor number two, Joseph's personality pointed to his destiny. Now, uh, I don't, we don't have anywhere in Scripture that, that Joseph took the Enneagram or the DISC test or the Myers-Briggs. We don't have any of that. Um, but we can surmise. We're not really, you're not really supposed to do this. You're not supposed to guess what somebody's personality is, but I'm going to. Um, so let's talk about what his personality might have been. First of all, this cat was really self-assured. As a teenager, we, I'm going to go right to jerk, Okay. He was very self-assured because when he had these dreams, he would go and tell his brothers. And this is what happens when a personality is not quite formed and you don't know how to deal with your unresourceful self, which he was when he was younger. But he was very self-assured. He was very intelligent. We know that from the story. We know that he was winsome. Everybody loved Joseph. He was inspiring. He actually moved an entire country to change how they were operating. And he was very outgoing. And he was a gifted leader. He was a make-it-happen kind of guy. So, thinking about what is his personality then. Let's use the Enneagram as a base. Joseph had the detailed nature of a one. He had the uniqueness of a four. I mean, come on, the dreams. The intelligence of a five. The risk-assessing skills of a six. And the winsomeness of a seven. But I am going to guess that Joseph is a somewhat clueless but inspiring three. The guy who can always get you from A to B. He's my dude, because that's what I am. I understand that. 
Because we only get one, in this whole crazy story, we only get one little emotional thing from Joseph later on where he tears up when he sees his family. This is a three, This is because threes don't know what they're feeling. What am I feeling? I don't even know what I'm feeling. Uh, that's a three. But threes are also say, if you want to get from A to B, I'll get you from A to B. That's Joseph. Now I want to tell you something about personality. Personality does not define your destiny, but your personality will tell you how you're going to go about living it. That's re- and your skills too. Your skills as well as your personality. Okay, so four factors that shape a destiny. Factor number one, Joseph's life story pointed to his destiny. Factor two, Joseph's personality pointed to his destiny. Factor number three, Joseph's skill set pointed to his destiny. Now, this guy had two obvious skills, at least we can see in the story. Number one was this whole dream thing. He, was, he had these unbelievably detailed dreams and was able to interpret unbelievably detailed dream. Interpreting, here's what he says in Genesis 40. Joseph says, interpreting dreams is God's business, but go ahead and tell me your dreams, because I can probably interpret it, which he was. Now, I got to tell you, this is, this freaks me out. I don't have those kind of dreams. You may be one of those people that, I, I was talking to a, a young lady I was coaching, she lives in New Jersey, we were on Zoom this past week. She said, I need to tell you about a dream I had. She's telling me this, I was walking down the street and there was a fence beside me and then my dog was there and we walked into this other room and there was my mother and we had this conversation about the past, but then somehow I had a baby in my arms. And I was like, how do you have these dreams? Is there anybody else in the room that dreams that way? Okay, you freak me out, okay? I don't, uh, because me, here's my dreams. It was dark. That's my dream, okay? But clearly, Joseph Watch, he leveraged, or God leveraged that skill to shape his destiny. That was one skill he had, a pretty significant skill. And by the way, those of you who have technicolor dreams, you might want to be asking God why it is that he allows you to have those kind of dreams. Because there may be something in there that you need to pay attention to, right? There may be something in there. All right, second skill he had is that he was clearly um, a leader, and he was, a, he was a good manager, a manager leader. So when this whole famine thing comes about through Pharaoh's dream, he not only interprets the dream, but then he says, here's, here's how we're going we're gonna to get through this famine. We're going to grow these crops, and then we're going to save these crops. And it ends up saving not just Egyptian lives, but the lives of his, his entire family, which he didn't know at the time, and many other people from around the world. So like personality, your skills and your gifts may not define your destiny, but they're certainly going to tell you how you're going to go about it, your gifts and your personality. All right, four factors to shape a destiny. Factor number one, Joseph's life story pointed to his destiny. Number two, his personality. Number three, his skills. And finally, his passions. What were his passions? Well, from the story, we see there were at least two or three things that drove this, things that animated him. Look, look how he points to God. So his, he had a passion for integrity and a passion for God's will. Here's some of his words. How could I do such a wicked thing? This is when he was accused. It would be a great sin against God. Then he says, interpreting dreams is God's business. And a little bit later he said, it was God who sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So his probably deepest foundational passion was to do the will of God. 
but coupled with this passion was his passion for his family, this dysfunctional family that hated him, these, these brothers that wanted to kill him, and yet at the end, the last part of his story where he's reunited with his brothers, well, look what he says in Genesis 50. He says to them, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them from the new King James. Marin, that was for you. The new King James. This, I, I was captivated by this phrase, look, brothers, what you did to me was wrong, but God shaped my destiny and our destiny so that we could save many people alive. I believe he had a passion for humanity and to protect all human beings. So, all this, his life story, his personality, his skills, and his passions reminds us that Joseph was built to count as waters made to run downhill. He was placed in a specific context to count in ways no one else could. That was his destiny. I believe, if I had to put words to how I would define his destiny, his destiny was to preserve the covenant of God that was made with Abraham and to save a lot of people in the meantime in addition to God's people. That was his destiny. There were a lot of lives saved. And the entire movement of the covenant of God with Abraham was saved. That's a massive destiny. Now, I, that's daunting, too, because I told you that every human being has a destiny. You have a destiny, and you're going, my gosh, I'm not going to save all of humanity. Yeah, but there's something that you do that only you can do. There's some calling on your life that only is yours. There's a destiny that is yours with that unique combination of who you are and what you've gone through. That is your destiny. So what is it? Well, take a look at your life story. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the wondrous. In particular, look at the bad. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4. I'm going to, this is my paraphrase. Paul says this. <clears throat> he said, I've gone through, this is paraphrase, I've gone through a lot of stuff. And the things I've gone through, the painful things and the struggle, I have received comfort from God. And now the comfort that I've received from God is the comfort, watch this, that I dispense to you that I hand out to you. This is why destinies are formed through pain and struggle because you receive comfort in your brokenness and in your pain and then you are given the destiny to take the comfort that you've received and then pass that on to the person. And by the way, like I said before, you, it gives you a particular kind of radar for somebody who may be struggling with your level of struggle. That could be your destiny. Diane woman I coached a couple of years ago on helping her to find her destiny grew up in significant poverty and with learning disabilities and her family struggled with learning disabilities. It, it was a struggle just to get through life. She found her way through school, found her way into college, and decided to give her life to teaching. And she taught for 30 years, but you need to pay attention to what she taught. She said, I didn't like teaching math very much, and I didn't like teaching grammar. Okay, why did you do it for 30 years? because she taught special needs kids. 
And she said, I'm not, I, I did what I needed to do as a teacher, but I was there because my calling was that when they walked in the door, they had somebody to hug them and to love them, and when they went home to tell them they're going to be okay because this is how she grew up, wanting someone like that in her life. There's a Trisha, the, uh, the young lady I was talking about this past week who had all the crazy dreams. She grew up abused and body shamed most of her teenage years. And she struggled and struggled and struggled, but she's realized that what she's learned, the comfort she's received from God, is she's turned that into an organization called Empowered Girls, and she leads these girls, all many other young ladies in their teen years who struggled as she did, and she's helping them walk through the body-shaming years of their lives. This is her destiny. This is what life is like when you pay attention to your pain and you move from your bitterness, you move out of your bitterness into serving others who are struggling with the same thing. That's a powerful destiny. And like Joseph, your life story can birth it. But like Joseph, your passions will also help you focus on where to invest your life. What are your passions? What breaks your heart? What in this broken world moves you? That may be pointing to your destiny. And then your personality and gifts will shape how you go about living out your destiny. Uh, Two young men, Brandon Casburn, he was in the last service. I was glad that he's here. I got the chance to interact with him afterwards. And Mark Williams. Mark, as you've seen, if you've been around Grace for a while, Mark has played on stage. One of uh, them's white, one of them's African-American. They both have the same passion. They're both moved. Their destinies are wrapped up in ending racial hatred and animus. Both of them have the same passion. But they couldn't be more different. Brandon is soft-spoken, and he's quiet, and he's intellectual, and he loves people deeply, so much so that he volunteered, and he's just told me, he's entering his third year of being the sponsor for the African-American Club at Westfield High School. Cool guy, Brandon. Both of these are in my, I've told these stories in my book, so you could read about them uh, if one, two later. But Mark Williams, on the other hand, whereas Brandon is quiet, Mark is not. Mark is a hip-hop artist, and Mark is uh, very creative, and Mark leverages social media in powerful ways. They're, they're so very different in the way they, but they have the same passion. The same is true for you. Your personality and skills will define how you go about operating in your destiny. What is your calling? What is your destiny? What has, and this is a quote from Joseph, what has God meant for good through your life? What has God meant for good through your life? Even that difficult thing. Why has he made you as he made you? As soft-spoken or loud and boisterous. As intellectual or as crazy. As loving to meet with people one-on-one or loving to be in a group. As giving you artistic skills or cooking skills or relational skills writing skills? Why did he make you the way he made you? What has he meant good through your life? 
you were built to count as water is made to run downhill. You are placed in a specific context to count in ways that no one else does. It's not Joseph alone or famous biblical characters or Marvel heroes who have destinies. You have one too. What is it? Let's pray. I'm not going to say anything for a moment. I'm not even going to talk to God out loud for a moment. I just want to give you space to hear from him. So just take a moment and listen. And now God, Holy Spirit, animate us, move us. Put your finger on the thing that we're here for. And then embolden us to move into our world, to do that thing that only we can do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.